you take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 15. And while you find your place there, these last couple of, well, I say weeks, I, I, this is prob- probably a, a topic that has been resonating with me for years on end. And to put it in simple terms, why do people sin if they believe that, uh, that there's a God? Why do people sin and keep on with presumptuous sins if, if they truly believe in their heart and, and say um, that they believe in God? And getting to the song that we just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And even if nobody joins me, I'll still follow Him. The world is behind me and the cross is before me. I will follow Jesus. What comes into somebody to write that? Why, why follow one man? Why not follow the crowd? Why sing the song and say, I will leave everything behind and I'll follow the cross? It doesn't matter what it is. The world, not a singular thing, the world and only the cross in front of me. What comes into somebody and hears and hears, and I think there's a lot of uh, 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 ways you can look at that. There would be a lot of, re- all right, sorry, we're done. Next class. <laughs> I'm not sure why this is the second thing time it happened now this morning. <laughs> That's all I have for you. Sorry, guys. Um, but what comes into somebody to write this? And there are so many songs and there are so many stories My goodness, we can just talk about the testimonies and the stories of people that laid their life down for Christ. But why? Why, why, why? If we look at history, he was just a man. He was just a man, all right? He walked on earth. He did miracles, all right? He prophesied, and he died, like a lot of people. And that's not really different than what history tells us. There have been many people doing a lot of what he did. But when I get to 1 Corinthians 15, I cannot help but think this is where it all falls in the balance. It's because of this chapter. It's because of the topic in this chapter that there's people writing about deciding to follow Jesus. There is martyrs that lay down their life for Christ. There are people that say, the world behind me, the cross before me, I will give up everything to follow Jesus. I will go through hell on this earth if I have to, but I am going to follow Jesus. I will give up everything, even the things that I feel comfortable with, but I'm going to follow Jesus. And it gets down to the resurrection. If we look at the resurrection... And Paul, it's the longest chapter in the first and second book of Corinthians. He dedicated 58 verses to speak just on the topic of the resurrection. Why? Why? Why is that so important? Guys, that is what we believe in. If you haven't know, if you, if you know it by now, that is what we believe in. And that is what sets us aside from any other religion. Our Savior He rose from the dead. Our Savior has victory over death. 
That is why we have faith in him. If I can quickly give you just a brief rundown of the book of First, uh, the, the chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1 through 11, Paul says he declares the, resurrections, uh, the resurrection to these Corinthians. In chap, uh, verse 12 to verse 19, he defends the resurrection. And he says, guys, if there is, if, there, if there is no resurrection, we are doomed. If there is no resurrection, we are doomed. In verse 20 to 49, we read about Paul defining the resurrection. He says in verse 20, but now. He gave us the, de the definition of the resurrection. And he said, if it's not working, but now. And he says, when it's going to happen, how it's happened, he kind of digs into this a little bit and, and makes sure that the listener or the, the reader understands. Verse 50 to 57, we get the detail about the resurrection. And he tells us what's going to happen the day of the resurrection. It's, it's glorified bodies and it's angels and it's we meeting God. And it's a lot, of happening, a lot of stuff, a lot of joyous stuff we can look forward to, but stuff that's real. And lastly, Paul gives us the drive behind the resurrection. And we're going to read that in verse, uh, verse 58. That makes for a great outline, but I'm not going to use that today. I have had a very rough week preparing for this sermon. It has probably been the, the toughest time preparing for, for a sermon. I, yesterday evening, I was, uh, me and Janae prepared, heading to bed, and when we were in bed, and she, she turned to me and she said, I just want to know you that I, I, I've been praying for you and I have prayed for you. And I looked at her and I said, honey, it's not working. <laughs> pray, pray harder. Garrett has told me this week uh, he prays for me. Francois told it. Pastor Mike told me. And uh, the only conclusion I got to is these guys don't know how to pray because it's not working. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I, I, had a rough, I had a rough week preparing for this. Uh, on my uh, uh, desktop, on my computer, I have... At, at one stage, I had five Word documents open with like a third of sermons in all of them and just nothing seems to get together. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And this morning again, I had nothing. I prayed and I said, Lord, what do I need to do? I don't know how to, pr how to pr proceed from this. And uh, the, 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 the approach, the kiss approach came to me. So I went to my wife and I, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> but the kiss approach came to me. And the kiss approach is... Keep it simple, stupid. I try to bring all of this together, and the topic of the resurrection is huge. I think there is so many approach to, approaches to this, and I actually thought about doing some form of a series to go through this. But there's two questions I want to ask you this morning, and that's my two points. I don't think I'm going to keep you guys long. It's two points, two questions that I want to ask this morning. Is why do you believe what you believe? Why? Why? And I... And I this, the topic uh, of, of, of my sermon here this morning, um, it's, it's, it's the, what is it, the reality of the resurrection? It's the reality of the resurrection. So why do you believe what you believe? And then what is the fruit thereof? Well, either the lack thereof or what is the fruit thereof? And, and that's it, guys. That, that, that's what I have for you. And that's what I want to quickly run through. And hopefully by the grace of God, those five sermons would, when I get home, mold into one and, and, and next year when I preach again I'll have this amazing sermon and we can go from there. I actually really thought about it. I told you now yesterday evening I'm going to close my laptop, put my Bible on top of my laptop and hopefully when I get there this morning there will be a sermon. 
They say that you need to put your, your books under your pillow and, and sleep on it, and the information would somehow get in your brain. Um, so anyway, um, so getting uh, the reality of the resurrection. I briefly mentioned that, but that is where our belief in Christ hangs and falls. If you don't believe in the resurrection 100%, you don't believe in it at all. If you don't, if you don't believe in it 100%, you don't believe in it at all. Now, just before we get into the questions, I, I just want to pose this very quickly. Do you guys, would you believe with me, and please, if you disagree, I would be 100% comfortable with that, but, but do you agree that church is not a linear approach? It, it's not just somebody coming, standing up here, give you a couple of verses, and then you head home. And I think that is the extent where a lot of churches are these days. It is, it is the guy up there, it's his responsibility to get to God, it's his responsibility to get a message, it's his responsibility to make me understand what I need to do about this, and it's my responsibility to get up, walk out of church, and forget the message. And I think that's, the, that's how people approach church nowadays, and that's not how it works. This is a, a, a multifunctional approach. I get to go through to God throughout the week, and I find out from God, what do you want me to teach or preach out of your word? What does your people need, Lord? What, what do we need to hear? And it's your responsibility to go to God and say, Lord, when I hear your word Sunday morning, what do I need to do about it? You need to walk out of church and take my opinion and throw it out and take what I said about God's word and the verses and take it to, the, to God and say, Lord, Lord I... I heard this today, what do you want me to do about it? And that's, your, that's what your approach should be. And if that has not been your approach for the last year, two, three, ten years approaching church, I want to desperately put a charge on you to do that. Start now. We haven't prayed yet for a reason, so you can start praying now. And when I pray, ask God that He would show you what to do. Guys, it is extremely overwhelming to preach because you have the responsibility to stand up here and give to the people what God has given you. And if you don't do that, you are accountable to stand before God one day, as Hebrews said, and to give God the answer to say, Armand, why didn't you give me what I told you? So I think church would be a lot better and a lot, a lot more um, uh, um, productive and beneficial if it's, if it's coming from both sides. If it's coming from both sides. Now saying that has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to say that. But the story of the resurrection, we have heard that, oh my goodness, forever, right? Since I can remember, I have heard the story of the resurrection. I have heard Jesus. I have heard that he loves me. I have heard that he died for me. I've heard that for yeah, literally forever. There has not been one time in my life where I've heard any different story in that. When I was in school, primary school, high school, university, wherever you turn, you get this story. And I think we as Christians has been so overexposed to this message that we don't see necessarily the, the weight of it anymore. It's kind of like that... Um, how can I put it, that, uh, that, that piece of dust or that piece of paper in your house that's there on the floor. You walk past it the first time and you say, oh, wow, all right, I, I need to pick that up. You walk past it and you walk past it and you walk. And the hundredth time you walk past it, 
that is part of the house now. You, you, you don't even recognize that anymore. You don't recognize that, oh, I need to do something about this. Now, that's a very, very, um, I think, menial, small illustration of how we approach or we as a society has conditioned us to approach the resurrection. We've heard it for so long. We've walked past that piece of paper for so long. We have forgotten what, what, what's the purpose of that. Why? Why? And that is why my, the first point I want to ask this morning is, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? Before we get into this point, I really just want to quickly bow down and bow our heads and pray. And as I have said, please, please, if you have not prepared your heart for today, use this time to pray. Don't listen to me. Pray, please. God, we, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity you have given us, Lord, to sit in church once again. God, we do not want to just let this be another Sunday of us just coming to church, just sitting, just listening, Lord. Oh God, I beg you, Lord, to please come down and work in our hearts. Change us, Lord, for the better. God, you said in your word that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are, Lord, in the midst of them. Father, you told us, Lord, that you will continue the good work within us until the day of Jesus. Father, we, we cling to that with everything we have this morning. God, we, we put faith into that, that you are here this morning, God. And you are here because you've risen from the dead. Lord, you are alive. Father, I really pray that, that you'd work in our hearts. God, if anything is in this sermon that should not be in it, Please take it out, throw it out, God, but might your word reign true here today, Father. And might each one of us walk out of this room here today knowing you better, Lord, knowing what we need to do and to know what our responsibility is, Father, um, that you have put on us. Father, I, I thank you that we are still um, in, in, in the time of life where we can feel conviction and um, and, and hear you speak to us, God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, hearts to, to receive, Father, and an attitude to action what we hear today. I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, why do you believe what you believe? We have heard this countless times. Maybe your story is different than mine. Maybe your story is, Armand, I, I, I've never heard this. Uh, maybe your story is, I, I recently, when I was in my ten, uh, uh, teens or 20s, when I, when I was uh, uh, um, able to understand all of this, somebody came to me, presented to me the gospel. I understood that I am a sinner. I, am a I'm, I, I understood as the, to, to the best of my ability that I need a Savior. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, as the Bible said, because He died for my sins and he rose again the third day, as the scripture says. Maybe your story is like that, and I praise the Lord for that. But so many people, so many South Africans have the testimony of, but I grew up with this. I, I, I grew up with all of this. Since the moment I can remember, this was, I don't want to say shoved down my throat, but I, I sat in school halls, I sat in meetings, where this was, this was just a general message. Can you point to a time in your life where you realized 
I need a Savior. And please, by no means am I trying to get you out of your salvation. But I would rather point to you and, and ask, are you sure? Than just leaving it there and you still trusting the shaky foundation that you have built this on 10, 20, 30 years ago. Or the thought that you, no, 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 I think I built this on the foundation of Christ. I think so. Rather make sure. You know, one of the, one of the fruits, and we'll look at it a little bit later, is uh, of the, the fruits of you truly believing the resurrection is action. Is action. And we, can, we read a lot about that in James. That, um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But we, we hear this countless times. Can, we st- can you stand where you are at now, look back, and say, there's been a change. I view sin differently now than what I did back then. I view the Bible differently now than what I did back then. I view the importance of evangelism now differently than I did back then. Now again, I'm saying this because that is what the Bible says. The Bible says that you have been made alive. You have been quickened by the Spirit. Now what that means is you get plugged into Jesus. So all of that, all of His burdens and all of His hearts get downloaded to you. So you should feel a burden towards lost souls. You should feel a burden towards this Word. You should feel a burden. You should feel conviction if you don't spend time in this Word. Or if you, if you don't do what Jesus expects of you. Right? So the question I'm asking, and, and, I'll, and I'm posing that to you, and, I'm, and I want you to think about this. I have thought about this so long. If there is no action proving my belief and my claims in the resurrection, am I saved? Again, I do not want to speak to you. I don't want you to start doubting now and saying, but, but, but I did accept Jesus as my Savior. Guys, there is a lot of moving parts here. But approaching it with a kiss approach, keeping it simple. If you have been saved for an X amount of time, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you still operate the same way as you've had, are you, have you laid down your life for Christ? Why do I say that? Take your Bibles, keep your, uh, your, your spaces in 1 Corinthians, Romans chapter 12. A great friend of mine, I spoke with him a little bit earlier today, and he said, uh, keep focus on the Word. Keep the focus on the Word, because you can never go wrong by preaching out of the Word. So I really want to be hesitant in giving you my opinion, so that's why we are turning to Romans chapter 12. Paul wrote here, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, and he's begging. Imagine Paul on his knees. This is something serious to him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, not because I am begging you, but by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Just stop there. Have you done that? Have you told God, not, 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 not on the passing, not quickly praying to work in your car, but have you hit your knees and told God, Lord, this is yours. Make with it whatever you want. God, I'm ready for you to tell me, Armand, stop that, change that, do this, go there. 
Lord, it, it, my will is out of the way. But this cannot happen if I don't have faith in the resurrection. Why do I want to lay my life, life down for Muhammad? There's no proof that he resurrected from the dead. Death still has the victory over him. Why do I want to lay my life down for Paul? He also died. He does not have the victory over death. But his Savior has the victory over death. I want to put my, my faith into somebody that's bigger than that. And Jesus has the victory over death. And he says here that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Which, can somebody just read me that latter part? Which is your reasonable. He's not asking that much. Yes, we view it as that. We say, oh, excuse me, Lord. Like you want the, the whole thing, like, like this whole thing. And not just this one. I can not just do this or just this side maybe. Can I do it like 30%? Guys, he says the whole thing, which is your reasonable service. That's the, that's the reasonable thing you can do. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of us have sat through this and here heard it and heard it and saw the paper and saw the paper and saw the paper and did nothing about it? We need to, again, sorry guys, this is the second time now. We need to get back to the point where we say, Lord, this is an active process of renewing my mind. It is an active process. I'm going to, doesn't Paul say, and Luke said it, I die daily. Being a Christian is hard work. I have to put some effort into that. It's not a, it's not a, a contract I sign, give it to the bank and say, thank you, I'll see you again in 30 years. I've preached about it a couple of weeks ago. You get into that yoke with Jesus. And He's right here next to you. And you have to keep on moving. Nowhere in the Christian life does it say, all right, now you stop and relax. Why do we do that? Because we have faith in the resurrection. We have faith in the resurrection. He Paul's uh, continuing there in verse 2, By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what it is that's good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the will of God for you to be renewed in your mind. But we are so set in our ways that we say, Lord, I will give you, I will believe in the resurrection. But as long as it fits me. You know, we are a society that chases excitement and hype, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I thoroughly enjoy a gift. I love it. My wife had the great idea of getting uh, these Christmas socks, so she hung them there under the fireplace, and she had the audacity to put a gift in there. How do I need to keep myself from going in there? I told her the other day, she left the house. I said, you're going to leave, and I, you're going to come back, and there's going to be like newspaper in there. I'm just going to take the gift and just shut up about it. What was my point? Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. I got it. I got it again. But we have, over time, the excitement of all of this gets to us. And you know what? I'm going to get that gift four or five days down the line. It's 
It's the hype, excitement is gone. And I'm going to move over to the next thing that's going to give me a hype and excitement. And three, four days after that, it's going to be gone. Isn't that the same? Isn't that why there are so many divorces in the country? People get married. It's new. It's great. I love her with everything I have. I'll lay down the world for you. Three years in, I don't want anything to do with you. The excitement and the hype is gone. Just like a marriage, uh, just like a walk with Christ, a marriage, this is free, takes work. Takes work. Isn't it the same with a car? Oh, I wish I could have that car. Oh, I, and you go and buy that car and you sit in it and it's a new car smell and a week in you drive with it and a month later, you're like, oh, I don't like this thing anymore. You're not, you're not so hyped up when you get it and you start that engine and you smell the leather. The hype and the excitement is gone. And we're looking for the next thing that can give us that. And I think time, time has taught us that everything gets watered down. Everything gets watered down. And even the resurrection. Guys, this, this teaching is 2,000 years old. Old, okay, 1,997 years old because Jesus was three, uh, sorry, 33. But anyway, that's 1,977. There we go. My math almost failed me there. Um, but this teaching is around about 2,000 years old. And it's watered down. And you know what we as a society did? We said, all right, so if the hype and excitement is gone, let's move on to the next thing. That's the one side of things. And the other side said, well, okay, if, if the hype and excitement is the thing that keeps you here, let's just do it every Sunday. Let's just, let's just hype up and excite everybody, and, and that's going to be our end goal, is making everybody excited, hyping up everybody, sweeping them up emotionally, and they can walk out of church happy and, and blessed, and, and they can just go through the week, and Monday morning you wake up and you say, I'm not feeling it anymore. And that has taught us to shift our focus from the resurrection. The resurrection does not mean everything is going to be easy. The resurrection, the resurrection does not mean life is going to be a breeze. But it does mean that we need to be serious about this. Unfortunately, the watered-down approach to, to life is a reality. And, and I don't blame anybody. I don't blame you for, for wanting a new phone or a new car or I'm looking to go there or do this or have that. That's fine. As long as there is a balanced, a balanced approach to say, there is going to be times in my Christian life where, where I'm not going to have all the zeal I had. It's not, there's going to be times where I feel I don't want to necessarily read the Bible. I don't necessarily want to pray. But isn't that the time for sacrifice? Doesn't the wheat get separated from the chaff there? To say, I'm going to do what's right even though I don't want to. I'm going to follow Christ because that is what He said. And I have, in the last eight years that I have been saved, I have gone through this a couple of times, and I think the best medicine to wake up a slumbering spirit is a shaking foundation. Is God coming, and He's just, dinks tapping that foundation of your and using, oh my goodness, I based everything I live on off of this and now this is shaking. Can I trust this? C can I trust this which, I, which I've built up my house? Is it on sand or is it on rock? C can I trust this? And that is the time where you start looking around and questioning, is this foundation secure? 
And brother, sister, I can promise you that if the storms of life hit, and I stand there and I look down, and I see, all right, as 1 Corinthians said, my foundation is Christ. He is the rock. I say, Lord, this winds can blow. I may be going to stabilize myself a little bit, but I trust this with all my heart. And my actions are going to prove it. Because I'm going to say, Lord, I'm just going to stand where I'm currently at. The storm will pass. But if those storms hit and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. If you feel like, oh my goodness, my knees are knocking. Where, where am I going? I would strongly encourage you, strongly encourage you to go and read 1 Corinthians 3. Maybe it's time to reevaluate the foundation. Maybe it's time you thought, you know what, I, I put my faith into the resurrection years ago. But looking back now, did, did I really? There wasn't really change in all of this. There, so, so did Jesus lack that he really didn't save me? Or is the problem me? Is the problem that I, I, I viewed Christianity as a, as a signed contract, put it in a post and say, thank you, Lord, I'll see you at the resurrection, or I'll see you when I die, or I'll see you when you come and pick us up? Or is my relationship with him an ongoing thing? You see, the reality of the resurrection is you either believe it 100% or you don't. Again, I ask the question, do you believe in the resurrection? And with that, I get back to my initial question. Where did this all start? Where was your faith built on? Where was your faith built on? I had a lot of notes this morning. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm getting to all of this. Have you guys, I mean, how many of you have seen the Men in Black movie? Men in Black movies. I haven't watched the last one. You guys, I think it's in the first and second one. They have that little tool, and then they, they speak to people, and then they dunk, press it, and then the guy just forgets, I think, like the last five minutes. I thought about that. If we can just have one of those. I want to sit in here and through everyone. I want to do it with myself as well. You just erase everything I know about the resurrection. Just everything. And I kind of get back to sanity, and I think, what just happened? And somebody should approach me with a gospel tract and ask me the question again. If I die today, am I 100% sure I'd go to heaven? I wonder what my answer would be. Because it's hard thinking back now. If somebody approached me when I was 18 years old with a gospel tract, what would I have told them? I already knew the answers back then. It doesn't mean I was saved, but I knew the answers. What if I didn't know the answers? Would my understanding of the resurrection be different? Would I have put more emphasis on the resurrection? Would my actions have proved that I believe in the resurrection more? Could someone in here be a Paul? If we briefly, briefly look at Paul's life. How many of you know Richard Wurmbrandt? A lot of, I think, not, I'll, oh, oh goodness me, I would encourage you to read his book. He was the, uh, one of the, the martyrs for Christendom, and he was brutally tortured because of his faith in Christ. I'm not going to go into that story there, but would I, would I view this differently if God has saved me from out of that? Or, or would I have viewed this differently if I didn't know Jesus? If I didn't, if I wasn't, if I didn't come into Christianity with this predetermined idea of, but I know what to say. I, I, I know how this goes. 
because we get to this in 1 Corinthians 15. I know it's, we, we've been there a while, so let's read a couple of verses. Because there is proof for the resurrection. There's proof in the Bible. There's proof outside of the Bible. There's proof around the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, and let's read a couple of verses here. Verse 1, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which, he, uh, which, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Why? Uh, where, uh, uh, how are you saved? If ye keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first of all that which I have also received, how that Christ died, amen, Paul, for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again, I say, amen, the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul was meticulous here not to say, guys, Jesus died, he, was, uh, uh, he died on the cross and He rose the third day. As I told you, let's go on now. He said He died according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again according to the Scriptures. You will not get very far with Christianity if you don't keep this very, very close to your heart. Verse 5, And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Now he's just giving, as I said in the beginning, he's just giving, he's making sure solidly, the guys, there's proof for this resurrection. And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present is there anybody here? We have a couple of old folks in here. I don't think you were at the resurrection, right? No, right, not. <laughs> Greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. Question. If you heard of a story in Poch, and one person tells you the story, you'd think, yeah, I don't know. If the Herald posts it, you would say, that's fact. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if one, if, if one person tells you a story, you'd say, oh, I don't know, man. Two people come through, okay, maybe. I'm not going to look into it, but all right, might be true. 500? 500 people saying, that, no, no, I have seen him. This, this is not necessarily a teaching to prove the resurrection, but my goodness, there is a lot. There is a lot of proof. If somebody tells you, there has been 500 people that witnessed, um, I don't know, a bank opening up, and if you go now, you will be able to get a thousand rand. You would probably believe that because of somebody put the authority on 500 people. Guys, it's way more than 500 people where we are today. Jesus has resurrected. Look with me at verse 12. Paul gets down to the detail here. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of, some of you that, ye are, uh, that there is no resurrection of the dead? If we can just quickly pause here. Paul said here, how say some of you? That's communication, right? That's your manner of communicating. Can I say this this morning? You say a lot without saying a word. Does that make sense? You say a lot by your actions. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say many of among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
How many of you sitting here are really preaching a, quite a detailed sermon every week by saying Jesus has not risen from the dead? Doesn't they say actions speak louder than words? I say a lot, but are my actions proving it? Not on the good days, but always. There's no justification for not saying what he wants me to say. Verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and our faith is also vain. Maybe that's why the bell rang. Hey, let's just back up and go. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Let's go home. Verse 15. Yea, and, uh, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He has risen up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead raise not, then, Christ, uh, then uh, is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Do you understand what dilemma we sit with? If Christ did not rise from the dead, what are we doing? Why are we trying to live a moral life? Why are we... Uh, 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 um, what's the word? Um, flows. What's, what's, what's an English word for that? Fool. Okay, I'm not a fool, guys. Calm down. <laughs> but why are we fooling ourselves by doing this? If Christ has not risen from the dead and we are still in our sins. But if, look at verse 20, but now is Christ risen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ is risen from the dead? Are you acting that way? If we get back to the foundation, why are you believing, believing what you are believing? Can you Take it from there and say, all right, all right, it's a good question. Let me think on it. I started there, or I must probably started shaky, but, but there, I remember there. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the time. My personal time of salvation was in the year of 2013. I got saved somewhere between July and November of that year. No, I don't have a specific date. Yes, I am saved. But I can remember that there came a time, there was a transition period, that whole tra uh, transformation of the mind happened somewhere in that period where in the beginning of 2014, I can look back and I say, I did some really bad stuff last year. I had a really filthy mouth. My desires was not towards Christ. I might have said it was, I knew the right answers, but my desires, if I was real honest with myself, was not towards Christ. But now... But now, verse 20, I can see the difference. The resurrection is now true in my life. I can see a difference. I can see a difference. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. The first fruits, if you sow, if you're a farmer, you sow. Literally, the first one that pops up, that's the first fruit. Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection. He was the first one to be death. And so many would follow after that. There's fruit. There's fruit. So my next question is, and this is where I'm going to finish up with, why are you believing what you're believing? And what is the fruit? 
What are we looking for? What are we looking for if somebody doesn't believe it? Or what are we looking for if somebody does believe it? And we need to get real here. We need to look at the facts. We need to look at the facts. It doesn't matter if you say the sun is shining today. The fact is, it is not. It is overcast. It doesn't matter if you think, I have done this and, and I've, I've, I am doing it the right way. The truth is still truth. And if you have not conformed fully to this book, yes, I get it. It's a working progress. Yes, I agree that Jesus keeps on working. I'm still part of this process. He is still molding me. I'm still on that, on that potter's bench, and He's still pushing and, and pressing and, 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 and putting on the water and molding me to what He sees fits. I get that. But there should have been fruit. A year through, two years through, five years through, ten years through. What is the fruit? Can we, first of all, get the bad news out of the way? What is the fruit for not believing? How, how do we do this? Again, I'm approaching it from the KISS perspective. Verse 33 to 35. Can we keep it just within the context of this book? There are so many chapters and books and everything uh, in the Bible I can refer you to. We just don't have the time. Verse 33, Paul says, Be not deceived. Why did he say that? Why did he say, be not deceived? Because we are deceived by it. We need to hear this. We need somebody to give us the obvious. If I tell you, be not deceived, that door is closed. If you walk without opening it, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to think I'm stupid. Armand, I know the door is closed. Yes, I'll open it. But there is a reason he said that, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That is a simple thing. Guys, it's, it's, it's not difficult. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, again, I'm not going to hammer on your filthy mouth because that's not going to help any of us. But I, if I can get you to a point where you say, I am questioning the foundation that I'm standing on. I'm questioning if I really gave my heart to Christ back then. I'm really questioning if I really believe in the resurrection. But if I can get you to that point where you stand there questioning and through time get to a point where you're better off after this by saying, Armand, I am fully persuaded that the foundation I'm built on now is sure. It's Jesus Christ. Paul said, evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness. Wake up to righteousness. And sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. Yeah, but Armand, nobody can know God fully. Look what Paul said. I, I speak this to your shame. I speak this to your shame. This is simple stuff. This is simple stuff. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. All right, we know what that means. Evil communication. If you don't want that is, take a concordance, run all the references in the Bible, you'll have a great idea. Ephesians 4.29 is a great verse you can turn to. Again, a lot of other ones. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Why are they sinning? Because they have not the knowledge of God. He says there, and sin not, why are they sinning? For some have not the knowledge of God. If they had the knowledge of God, they wouldn't have sinned. What is the knowledge of God we are referring to in this chapter? Resurrection. 
if we put the right emphasis on resurrection, I'm sure we will awake and jump to righteousness. And I'm sure that evil communications, we will not be deceived thereby. I said earlier, actions speak louder than words. You saying I'm saved, you saying I'm born again is one thing. And praise the Lord for that. Romans tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I say amen to that. But is your actions following that? Are you saying one thing and doing another? Or are you a man of your word? As I have said, so many moving parts in here. It's not always fun. I don't always want to do this. I don't always want to go out and give somebody a track. I don't always want to hit my knees and pray. I don't always want to grab my wife after a long day and say, all right, let's go and pray now. This week I told her, my goodness, I'm so frustrated with myself. And I questioned myself, Armand, do you really believe in the resurrection? You might laugh and think that's crazy. But that's why I question myself. If my actions doesn't prove I love uh, uh, um, that Jesus raised from the dead, I should search my heart. Lord, change me. Actions speak louder than word. Don't fool yourself. If your actions doesn't prove what you're saying, stop and reprioritize. Get the, tr the, the, the transformation started up here. Now that the bad news is out of the way, well, before we get the bad news out of the way, actions speak louder than words. Guys, you really are damaging the body of Christ if you say one thing, in the name of Christ and doing another thing. You are really hurting the body of Christ. So much so that the Christian society has br brought down the standards for salvation. My heart is broken because of that. And I say, did I say we? We together need to do something about this. We need to search our own hearts. We need to question, am I saved? And what is the fruit? If there's no fruit, am I saved? Am I saved and is there fruit? If there's no fruit, I might have been saved, but I need to do something about this now to get the fruit. Or if there's no fruit, I might not have been saved. So from both parts, we need to do something about this. Please don't be a hypocrite. Please rather just stay quiet. Please we get to the good part now. What is the fruit of believing? Verse 49. We're almost done. Verse 49, chapter 15 and 49. Now he's speaking from verse 40 onwards. He's speaking about the glorified bodies and what's going to happen with the resurrection and all of that. It's part of the mystery. And verse 49. And we have borne the image of the earthly. So many people are bearing that image today. But he says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Are you bearing the image of heaven today? Have you borne the image of heaven in the week past? Have you borne the image of heaven to your wife, to your kids, to your family members? What do I mean by saying bearing the image? Have you acted like Christ? Have you acted the way He should? Is your perspective on sin and complacency the same perspective that Jesus had? You say, I don't want to stay in the same place year on end with no growth. That doesn't help anybody. 
But he says, we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Can I just bring this back now? I understand he's talking about glorified bodies. But isn't that applicable right now? We need to bear the image of Jesus in our hearts. Now again, a lot of moving parts. Yes, but I still have a flesh. I still have the world against me. The devil is against me. Yes, but you have Jesus, which is already the victor over them. Yes, they're going to keep on bugging you. But he is pressing his image on you. Believing we need to bear the image of the heavenly. You see, I quickly referred to Paul and, and um, Richard Wurmbrandt earlier. And I say, if I can sum it up, that is outstanding. An outstanding picture of what it means to be saved. Paul, church persecutor, a Christian killer. He was a law-abiding Pharisee. He hated Christian and what they stood for. He hated Jesus. What happened in the book of Acts, chapter 8? He heard Stephen preaching. And he did something about it. He didn't leave it there. He didn't say, yo, all right, on the, right, uh, on the road, Jesus met up with him and, and he got saved and through the conviction got converted. It didn't stay there. And Paul said, all right, I'm just not going to do those things anymore. I'm, I'm just Paul now. I'm not Paul the, the Christian. No, 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 no. Paul said, I'm leaving that behind and I'm reaching for those things. I'm stretching for those things which are before. I'm not going to not do that, but I'm going to do this. It's not a question of stop doing something. It's, a question, it's, it's, a, it's more of an attitude of I'm going to start doing something. With same with Richard Wurmbrandt. Saved, preached, imprisoned, preached, released. He preached. Back in prison, he preached. His surroundings didn't care. I'm going to preach. Because he really believed in the resurrection. He really believed in the resurrection. I want to end off with this verse. Verse 58, the last verse on this. Paul said, therefore. What is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is to solidify what he has uh, said in the previous 57 verses. Because, guys, we read about it early in, in, in chapter um, 15. Because there is a resurrection, there's proof of it. Because he, he, all of everything has happened, there's proof of it, how to do it, how not to do it. He said, because of all of that, the hope we have of all of this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because you have all of that in your mind, be steadfast, be unmovable, Always abound in the work of the Lord. Wow, that's good news, right? It doesn't end there. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's where we want to get up. We want to be at this point to question and say, what is my foundation being built on? Maybe it's shaking a little bit this morning. But I want to get to a point where I can say, all right, I now acknowledge that I have a shaky foundation. We made some great headway. What am I going to do about this? I know where to go now. Let's go to the Bible. I'm going to get truly saved. And you know what? Even if I thought I've been saved way back then and I don't see any fruit in my life, I'm going to go to God, hit my knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I grossly misunderstood the task that you've given me. I'm sorry that I did not act 
as you wanted me to. Can we please get back to Romans 12, where you take this body and make it yours? Will you please tell me what to do and how to do it? And I promise you, God will not let you down. Please don't form the rut to say, okay, so if I pray that, then I'm done. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. They say you can't teach an old dog new trick. Well, it depends on the importance of the trick. If that trick's really important, if it's a life and death situation, then you will teach that old dog new tricks. There is a lot of, of matured Christians based on the amount of time they have said, I am a Christian. That does not mean you have everything figured out. This week I was again reminded, I have, don't have everything figured out. And I'm not afraid to say my flesh sometimes reminds me and says, no, no, Armand, you've got this. And then I break my knees, falling in front of God and says, God, I don't have it figured out. Lord, why am I so hard-headed? Why am I keep on hitting my head on this? Lord, I really believe, I say it, I try to prove it with my actions that I believe the resurrection. You're going to stumble. But have the right attitude, as the proverb said, to get up and go on. I'm asking this question again, and I want to encourage you, please, when you're at home today, when everything, all the hustle and bustle of today has finished up, and you're at home maybe this afternoon watching God Blanche or the movie or whatever it might be, think about this. Think about why, why do I believe what I believe? Guys, and if you don't believe it, then there's no shame in stepping up and walking away and saying, I actually don't believe this. I thought I did, but I don't. And there's no shame in realizing and saying, wow, I, I had a misinterpretation of this. I need to do more about this. Take to heart. Take to heart the facts in your life. Is there fruit if there's not fruit? And ask yourself, why am I doing this? Can I ask you guys to please stand with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I'm just going to quickly um, yeah, take about a minute or two. Bottom, if you guys can please put up something softly. As we are reminded again this morning of the importance of the resurrection and that, that everything, guys, everything we base, our, we base our eternity on Jesus raising, uh, uh, that rise from the dead. If that is not true, let us stop wasting our time. Paul said there in the book, if, if this is not true, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if, but if this is true. There's a quote that says, It's only one life. It will soon be passed. And only what has been done for Christ will last. Do you have some, some fruit in your basket? Not, not, not to prove God, to say, Lord, look, 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 this is why I should enter into heaven. I have fruit. No. No, we do it because we love Him. We do it because of what He did for us. We're in a society that says, no, 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 don't open up your heart. Don't show people that, that you have emotions. 
don't show them that you believe in God. Don't don't really show it to them. You can say it, but but don't 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 do anything about it. It's time we get over that barrier, and as a church, take that on. As brothers and sisters in Christ, encourage one another. If you maybe have to deal with that this morning, this afternoon, maybe this week to come, I invite you to the throne of God. To say, come, come and spend time. In Hebrews, Jesus said, come boldly, boldly unto the throne of grace that you might find help in time of need. Please take this serious. Take this this week and say, Lord, I really need to think on this. I really need to work on this. I really need to take this to the bank and, and I really need to get this fixed. This is serious because you only have time now. Once you die, that time is up. Father, we, we thank you, God, that you have stepped out victorious over death, Lord. And, and just to thank you is so menial. Just to thank you sounds so disrespectful, Lord. Father, and I, I can think of no better way to, to thank you than to, to do as Paul said in, in Romans and lay down our lives for you. God, to, to show you that you mean the world to us, Father. And that we will never be able to repay you in full, Lord. But, but the least we can do is, is put our pride behind us and, and fall in front of our knees and forget, as Galatians said, Lord, I'm not persuading men, but I'm persuading God. Get, get back in fellowship with you, Lord. Father, thank you that we can pray this, that we can ask this. God, we, we step out in faith here and we ask that you would work in our hearts, Father, in every individual in this room, Father, me included. Work in our hearts this week, Father. And if, and if we're past the point of, of why am I believing what I'm believing, Lord, if, if I can prove that biblically, if I can sit down and, and prove to myself out of your scriptures why I'm believing this, Lord, may we walk over to the next step, Father. May we start focusing on that fruit. May we start really focusing, Lord, and really putting some effort into giving you, Father, that fruit that you deserve, Father. God, thank you. Thank you that we can be in a church. Thank you for conviction, God. Help us, God. Oh, God, we need your help. Please change us, God. We rely fully, God, on what you have said, that you will continue the good work within us until the day of Jesus Christ. Give us hearts, Lord, to accept that. And I pray that as we are dismissed from the school all here, Lord, as, as many Sundays in the past, Father, that this, that this would be different. Lord, that you, would, that you would keep on knocking, Father. Keep on knocking at those doors. and Get these people, Father. Get us to open. Get us to, st get us to a point where we can stand up and and open the door, Lord, and sit down and have the hard discussion with you, Lord. And let us make some headway. Thank you for your grace and for your goodness, Father, and for the fact that you rose from the dead. We praise this and uh, pray, praise your name and we, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.